0: MP, it feels like every area of life at the moment is undergoing revolution. I'm glad you said that, Bretto, because at this year's Wellness Summit virtual experience, all of our speakers are presenting on the revolution. Yeah, and it's such a topsy-turvy world right now. It feels like everything's been turned upside down, whether it's your finances, your food, your health, your longevity, your family. All of these things are just in such a state of flux right now that we really need to get the experts in to give us the lowdown. That's why we have Jason Witten on the financial revolution, Cindy O'Meara on the food revolution. Kim Morrison on the self-love revolution. Marcus Pierce on the longevity revolution. The great Brett Hill on the resilience revolution. Andrea Huddleston on the hormones revolution. And of course, Joe Witten on the food and family revolution. And for the first time ever, we'll have breakout sessions on the energy revolution, the career revolution, the barefoot revolution, the real food revolution, and the parenting revolution. All this and more at The Wellness Summit, September 11 and 12. Book your tickets at thewellnesssummit.com.
1: I don't care who you are as a human being. There are things that happen in your life um, that are devastating, and you may be what you believe to be the cause of it. No matter how perfect um, the universe is, these things obviously are there. I don't know for what reason. I don't. I don't want to know what reason for that one was, but it was. Um, A time where I did not like myself and I still struggle with that one, you know, like you can probably hear it in my voice. I still struggle to even think about it little and I've never spoken about this publicly. Welcome to
2: the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials. Here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Hi guys, welcome to the Self-Love Podcast. What a treat it is to be with you this week. I am super excited because this topic is something that many people, whilst we all know it's an important ingredient in life, that is self-love, we also know that we look to many heroes in our lives or many people who seem to be doing really well in life and we cannot picture them ever being down or going through tough times. This week, I share with you one of my bestest, best friends, the amazing Cindy O'Meara. For those of you who don't know her, she is an incredible nutritionist. She's an educator and a researcher. She is the founder of Changing Habits, and she also is the founder of the Nutrition Academy. She also happens to be one of my best friends, and today, I get to really delve deep with her on life love. And one of the big things that her and I have many conversations around in our own time is the topic of perception. Now, whilst she loves to teach in both the public and corporate arenas, and she's an incredible woman when it comes to helping people make better food and health choices, she is also really down to earth. And if you have not had the opportunity to hear or follow Cindy Omira, now is your chance To those of you who know her and certainly know us from Up For A Chat, you will also know she's pretty pragmatic. She's down to earth and she also says it how she sees it. Now, the beautiful thing about this podcast that I particularly love is that she talks a lot about her own vulnerabilities. Um, We get to hear a little bit about her life growing up and also how her perception of her childhood was really quite different to that of her sister. You're going to love her definition of self-love and I think one of the most poignant moments in this podcast is when we talk about a really dark time for her, something that she doesn't necessarily talk about all the time. But I also am going to love the practical tips that she offers at the end, her own self-care rituals. So I sincerely hope you buckle in, enjoy listening to her if you're out walking or if you're driving along. Just buckle in and listen to the beautiful, amazing Cindy O'Meara and all the things that she has to offer this world. If you don't know already, all in the show notes is her website, changinghabits.com.au. You can also follow her on Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And remember all the links for myself around Kim Morrison and Kim Morrison as well as the beautiful28.com, is also in the show notes. Let's get into the show. So my beautiful Cindy O'Meara, uh, you can tell by the introduction that you are one of my dearest and closest besties in the world ever. It is a privilege to have you on the show. Can you please just give us a little bit of a background for people that don't know you around, more importantly, beautiful Cindy, around your experiences of growing up and what love meant to you as a family?
1: Oh, experiences of growing up and what love meant to me as a family. Mm. Uh, it's interesting because um, I think it's a, all about perception because my brother and I often say about our childhood that we had a fantasy childhood, and, you know, a, fantasy, a, a childhood that was perfect, whereas my sister had the exact opposite. Do. She felt like she had a nightmare of a childhood. So we both all lived in the same household, and it's all about perspective in the end. So what I saw as love in the family was we did things together. We ate together. Um, I remember mum picking us up from school, and we'd go home and have lunch, um, our main meal at lunchtime in the summer. She just did so we could go and play in the evening. I don't know. We, we just did stuff like that, and so I think for me. The love was the nurturing that both my parents gave me. Like, remember, it's perspective um, as I was growing up.
2: Yeah, it's pretty extraordinary. And I've heard you talk of your childhood a number of times. And I've I've heard you really, you know, absolutely sing the praises of both your parents and your upbringing. And I just, I'd love to ask you at this point, then what is your, what is your definition of self-love?
1: My definition of self-love is the, the fact that you look after yourself because I, I don't think if you love yourself, you look after yourself. So you respect your body, you respect your mind, so you put good things in both mind and body. So not only the food that you consume, then the sunshine you get, the love you want, the all of those things but also the thoughts that you have, you know, like we were talking um, at another time you and I came about mentations and it's, it's really become pr- prominent in my mind when my mind is in a loop and I'm saying things to myself that really aren't true. So I catch myself on those mentations and uh, like one, for example, is that going to and from the house to the office I always feel like a pack horse, <laughs> so I find myself saying i 'm just a pack horse. I just cart stuff from here, there, and everywhere, so that 's a mentation i 'm not a pack horse you know I had to turn that round, I had to turn that round to, turn that around to oh, i'm so fortunate. I have um, all this these things, and I have a job to go to, and I have a beautiful home, and you know so I had to change that round so it's about not only physically feeding your body, chemically feeding your body, but mentally and emotionally and spiritually feeding mind and body. And, and that's my definition of self-love is that the care you give yourself. Mm. And that doesn't mean necessarily going and having a facial or anything like that. It's just how you respect and keep your mind and body. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I think I saw
2: another statement the other day, self-care is self-giving. It's giving yourself that time, that energy, that input and the the grace to actually care for yourself, which just seems to be so foreign in this day and age. What do you think is the biggest problem in society right now? And do you think it's related to a lack of self-love?
1: Well, it's interesting you should ask me that because I was listening to a podcast yesterday and it was all about people making changes. And the podcaster, the, the person you know who was being interviewed, he, he actually said that people won't change unless there's a crisis or inspiration. And even with a the crisis, they won't change. And they don't want to be talked to, they don't want to be told. And he believed it was about, people working with them to create their own change in their own life and being and, and coaching so I, I think the main thing is that people don't want change they they don't even in crisis they won't change i I find it really um, hard to understand why a person wouldn't want to be the best version of themselves. And maybe you're right, Kim. Maybe it is that they don't have enough respect and love for who they are as human beings and for their, their incredible body. Um, but, it, you know, it's a well-known fact that even on their deathbed, they, they don't want to change. Even if it was to help them live, they're quite happy just continuing on the way they're going.
2: And it seems to be something that I've heard you say, and particularly as you know, with this whole virus and global epidemic that we've been going through, and I've even recalled you saying over many, many years that you've asked your audiences if you were faced with a life-threatening illness, how many of you would do something about it to change? And most people in the room put their hand up, but then you always say something interesting after that. Can you share
1: with me what you actually say to your audiences after that point? Well, that only one in ten will change, (laughs) and that's what's scary: is that only one in ten will change if faced with a life-threatening illness. And I see this time and time again. So I had a very good friend, and his um, wife was diagnosed with a brain tumour. He she was given six weeks to live, and I talked to him virtually the day after the diagnosis, and I said, "Well, have you thought about the ketogenic diet?" and I just got this look from him that was, she's dying, Cindy, she's dying. And she just didn't want to even try. It was almost like she had got the bone pointed at her, which is an Aboriginal term for people who uh, are not from Australia. It's like the bone's pointed, it's a death sentence and you will die. And it's, it's not a physical death, it's a mental death. And I often wonder when... You know, people are told things that they believe it and, and it and it's evident and that's what happens. It's quite sad, isn't it? And I know you and I have had
2: many, many late-night conversations and times staying up talking about this. What, what do you think is the, the reason why, the, re, the real deep um, reason why people um, find loving
1: themselves such a challenge? Cool, I think that's a a huge question, so could be upbringing, could be perception, like I said, about my sister and my brother and I, how we perceived our childhood um, you know, my sister couldn't change it; she had all the knowledge in the world, she knew that she shouldn't smoke, she knew with the disease that she had that these were going to shorten her life, but she continued to do it she said it's my only vice. <laughs> So, I think it's multifactorial. Mm-hmm. I think um, when we talk about food, we are hardwired to survive. And we are hardwired to, um, in that survival, to eat the foods that are available to us. So, when the summer was there, we would eat lots of sweet fruits, the fat animals, and we would put on weight. But then the winter would come. And there was no food available and we had to starve. <laughs> but we used that fat in order to survive. But these days there's no winter. So, you know, it could be a hard wiring in your own body. It could, I was like, yeah. You know, that is a really tough question. Big and you that. know what, I almost need to... Stop and contemplate it, but it, you know what the most important thing is the inquiry and If people who are listening write that question down and actually do the inquiry on themselves and inquire into themselves as to why do they emotionally consume foods, why do they not get up and exercise? why are they having an argument with their husband over a spoon or something you know or you know, so I think that inquiry to the individual may tell them some answers, and then further inquiry, which is our our beautiful um, Byron Katie, is is it true? Are you sure it is true? You know, so really ask the question. Once you've inquired, got an answer, then you ask, well, is it true? Is it really true? You know, do you really believe that to be true? So a second one. And then the third question is what would it be like to not have that thought? And then the fourth one is turn it around. So a a turnaround might be um, my parents are judgmental. And to turn it around would be I'm judgmental. So, you know, when you turn it around, because me saying my parents are judgmental is meaning I'm judgmental. So I am judgmental. So it's like, I, I, I actually, you know, doing that to me right then and there, Miss Kim Morrison, um, was a tough one. But if I was really wanting to be honest with myself, I would do the inquiry I would say well why do you do that Cindy what it, what is the purpose of that and um, and then do what um Byron Katie does and and do the inquiry about what you believe is the truth about that. If it is a truth at all. <laughs> You're like, Oh my gosh, I've just bamboozled everybody. I know it because I bamboozled myself. <laughs> 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 we always need Karen Smith on those conversations. Oh, we do. I down the,
2: rabbit hole. <laughs> the big point you make there is it's multifactorial. Yes. And I think, you know, do you think um, knowing that, or
1: let me ask you this. Do you think everybody has times in their life where they don't love themselves? Almost most definitely. Yeah. And, and and the reason why is that we don't forgive ourselves. So, you know, I've had a time and I still struggle to forgive myself about it. And then when something props up about it, um, I get really upset. And I'm happy to talk about it, Kim, if if people yes. want to hear it.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, it still brings tears to my eyes. Mm. So... I um, I loved my dog Obi so much, and Kim and I went to Fifty Acres um, with Obi. He was old. He was really old. He was crippled, and we took him to this beautiful sanctuary. And he, it was almost like he prepped up like a young soul. He just, it was incredible, wasn't it, Kim, how young he was. And when Kim got out of the car after we'd had our beautiful day, he got out of the car, Obi talked to her. He spoke to her. He went, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. It was like this. It was incredible. He did it when he left the 50 acres and he did it. The next day, and this is not my usual routine. My husband calls me and he says, Cindy, can you bring Obi to work? So I put Obi in the car and I went to work. About three or four hours later, my husband said, did you bring Obi? And I had left him in the car and it was November and it was a warm day and he passed away. I wanted to punch myself, hit myself, kill myself. It was the most devastating time. But I had a beautiful man email me, a really good friend of my husband's, and it was a, an email from Obi. And it was to say that you would have had to put me down soon. I was old. I was hurting. And it was it was almost like a reprieve of of, of you know of what I have felt I had done. But I do also know that the world is perfect. And we got another beautiful dog and we would never have got this dog if Obi lived another, you know, even another month or two because we got him straight away. We were just all devastated, absolutely devastated. And my family never persecuted, you know, persecuted me for this. I persecuted myself. I was really good at that. (laughs) The other day, so this is years ago, guys. This is like four or five years ago. The other day I'm with um, my daughter Casey and she has a new dog called Wilbur and Wilbur was so excited to see me he was jumping all over me licking me doing everything and i leaned over to kiss my other daughter and and wilbur came in the in between us and i just put my hand on wilbur's body and pushed wilbur away he hit <laughs> the table <laughs> corner really hard and nearly knocked him i nearly knocked him out and it it brought, it brought back the shame it brought back the feelings of Obi, the, you know, and I thought, oh my God, I've killed another dog. <laughs> oh, sweetheart. Oh. And I was so worried about him. He was staggering around and he was, and I could see Casey was really upset. And so the next morning I rang Casey and I said, honey, is he all right? Yep, he's back to normal. Mummy's fine. But it, you know, it's times like I don't care who you are as a human being, there are things that happen in your life um, that are devastating and you may be what you believe to be the cause of it no matter how perfect um the universe is these things obviously are there i don't know for what reason i don't i don't want to know what reason for that one was but it was um, a time where I did not like myself and I still struggle with that one. You know, like you can probably hear it in my voice. I still struggle to even think about it a little and I've never spoken about it, this publicly. So um, I, for the most part I really like myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. I really do and I respect myself and I, I would, I eat well, I get up early in the morning. Um, sometimes I might, you know, be a little bit hard on my husband um and maybe be a little bit curt with my kids on occasion um but for the most part i really try to nurture my body and my mind and see another uh, the gratitude in it all so see the gratefulness of of the situation so let's take um what the covid 19 so for me i see planet earth's as having a rest and everybody's planting a garden that's nurturing her at the moment. I'm seeing seedlings and seeds disappearing off shelves because people are saying, I need to plant more food, you know, I I need to do this. So there's some positivity in that as well. And for me, it uh, it created um, a little bit of a situation in that I was meant to fly to New Zealand to do a course um so i teach my nutrition academy at the auckland school of chiropractic or it's the new zealand college of chiropractic so i teach my nutrition course there i teach the first two hours and then i have this beautiful nutritionist who teaches the next um eight weeks and um she six weeks before i was we were due to start the program decided she didn't want to teach it this year so i had to find somebody new and we looked for somebody new and we found somebody new but she wanted almost double the price that we were paying our first girl that had been with us for nearly five years which really we were we were bound that we had to do something so just before we were about to say yes okay we'll we'll go with you um new zealand went into lockdown and it means that we cannot teach i can't fly over there Um, the, the universities are closed, it all has to be done online. So all of a sudden I got this opportunity where I can record every single lecture and deliver every single lecture online, record I don't even have to be live, I can record it. And then i 've been trying for the last two years to figure out how i 'm going to do this in Adelaide as well because the adelaide the Australian College of Chiropractic has opened up in Adelaide, and I'm a deliver to deliver this course. Um, free I offered it free to them to get the course up and going for the next three years and I'm thinking how am I going to do this flying backwards and forwards and making it cost effective as well as you know personally effective and all of a sudden as I'm going I can record everything I'm going I can use this for Adelaide as well (laughs) so it was like these beautiful gifts um, are given to us we just have to find the gratitude in what is happening at the moment instead of all the worst things that are happening. Like you can see people out there just going into meltdown. And uh, it doesn't matter if it's COVID-19 or um, something else. The best thing is to just stop, take stock and have gratitude. I have a gratitude journal. I write in it every day. And I don't know, the, the something happens, a magic happens where, the solution presents itself, or the positive starts to come up more and more. I'm, I, I know I went off track there, Kim. Mm, because beautiful. It, was, it was, it's just something that we can't keep cursing ourselves. And you know, but punishing is ourselves. pretty big, isn't it? Yeah, it's, a, it's, we've got to look big picture and have that understanding of, of the universe is here to give us a good time. We're here to be in heaven, not in hell. So let's turn it around and let's look after ourselves, give ourselves nurturing and love, no matter what the situation. And and I know situations that are almost unforgivable for people, but they've found ways to get through it. Um, and I have a couple of friends in that situation, but I look at them and I and they're just, you know, they're driven to make amends almost, but are also calm in their decision of of what has happened and how they're gonna cope with it. So it as my father says, it not it's not what happens to you in life that matters. It's how you deal with it.
2: Yeah. It's <laughs> so true. And it's so beautiful. I love I love your philosophy. And I I wanna check in with you on something. Mm-hmm. You, have <laughs> you worry <taught>. me. <laughs> <laughs> you taught and have taught nutrition you've written books you've you've preached to the masses you've you've been vigilant in your um, concern for mother earth the planet the way we eat the way we raise our children how we actually consume foods and not consume good enough foods and all of these things and then you were hit with your own personal crisis of losing your mother and your sister within months of each other I'd love you, if you are okay about it, to talk about what spiritually, mentally and emotionally did you go through at that time in your life when you were really pushed to the limits of your beliefs around nutrition and the way you deliver it and family and love?
1: Yes, the, the comment that comes to mind right now is we do the best with the knowledge we have at the time, but when we know better, we do better so i look back and that was uh, 2006 my mum died in october october 27 2006 and my sister died march 26 2007 so they were five months apart and when mum was diagnosed with lung cancer um just a couple of months before she died, but I could see she wasn't well in the May. And it's funny, I look back at photos and probably a year before she died, you could actually see there wasn't something right, but she didn't. She wasn't showing symptoms. And my mum ate well, but now that I know better, perhaps for her she didn't. My mum was a forgiver. My mum was... Um, the Stepford mother, wife, friend, She's, like to me, like remember this is perception, um, she was an incredible lady and to me she died too young. But if I look at the emotional um, baggage that my mother had from sexual abuse, she denies it, but my, her sisters all say it happened but anyway she denies it a very very um uh, angry father um all of her brothers dying of AIDS because of hemophilia and my mum died of lung cancer so you know that's about grief uh and I thought how can somebody and people would say to me if Jan Lovett dies of of lung cancer, and she did everything right. What what a hope is there for the rest of us? You know, I remember people saying that. And then there was my sister. You know, she got esophageal cancer, and you know we did everything that we could. And they said they gave her three months to live, and she she lived twelve. Months, 13 months she lived after her diagnosis and she lived well I've got to admit she she did the best she could do with how she was but I remember when when she died uh, I thought well what good am I (laughs) I couldn't even save my mother and my sister I know nutrition I know the best of nutrition what the hell did I do wrong you know so I blamed myself on on that matter. And I remember um, three weeks after my sister passed away, um, I was at my aunt's place, at so my mother's sister's place, and I was in bed asleep and it wasn't a dream, it was real. My, my mother came to me and we were at a barbecue and she was wearing a nightgown and I said to her, Mum... <laughs> what are you doing with your nightgown on? It was a pretty one, I must admit. She had a beautiful blue one with lace and it was gorgeous. I said, Mum, we're at a barbecue. What are you doing with your nightgown on? And she just said to me, Cindy, I'll always be at family gatherings. And that was was it. She was gone. And then the very next night I'm in bed again, sound asleep, and it's not a dream, I swear. It's so real. I'm in a single bed. Um, But I'm actually in a double bed. But in my dream, I'm in a single bed. And my sister's beside me in another single bed. And I look over at her and I go, I thought you died. And she goes, no, we don't die, Cindy. I said, I watched you die. We're having an argument, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I watched you die. She goes, we don't die, Cindy. And then she disappeared. She was gone, you know. And And I thought maybe I should give up the nutrition, because I felt like I'd had this spiritual awakening because after that, the very next day, a book landed in my hands and it was um, it was called Journey of the Soul by Michael Newton. And from there I probably read 50 books on the subject of past lives, Reincarnation um, and all the proof of it in the world, and eventually fell in love with Brian Weiss, um, the book of Many Lives, Many, the author of Many Lives, Many Masters, and read all of his books, went to all of his seminars, and, and felt that nutrition wasn't my forte. <laughs> <laughs> but I really wasn't that good at it. <laughs> um, but I look back now at what I've learned and what I know from, you know, this is 14 years ago. And if I'd known what I know now, I might have been able to help a little bit better, but I didn't. And I think what happened to my mother and my sister was for me to learn that beautiful spirituality, I, I thank them every day for that because it it brings calm, it brings peace. It, there's no fear of death like I used to fear dying and eternity because I was brought up a Catholic. Oh, the whole eternity thing I think was more scary than the dying. But anyway, um I just had this incredible fear of it and that just disappeared. And and even your purpose in life and why you're here and you have more patience. It's like, oh well I'll do it in the next life. If if I can't figure it out this life, I'll figure it out in the next life. If I if I can't, you know that's the way I, I, I got. So I have to thank my mum and my sister for that. And I also have to thank them because I became more vigilant about learning about autoimmune diseases because that's what my sister had um, and about emotional causes such as, you know, grief in the lungs and my sister was gagged. You know, esophageal cancer it means you can't, you, you basically can't eat. You, your throat's been completely shut off you know or just below it you know so um yeah I, I I I while it was traumatic well looking back on it I I can't say it was traumatic it was a day-to-day thing I just took one day at a time I I remember waking up I, I do this now I wake up in the morning and I go oh that's right that's what's happening on the planet But I would do that with Mum and Lisa. I'd wake up and go, "Oh gosh, they're both dying," you know. So I would have that remembrance when you wake up, and reality would kick in, and and you'd. um, But you just keep doing what you needed to do. You just put one step in front of the other. You just keep in the present. You don't think about the future. You just stay present with them. You just love them for all they are, and then, and then you know. You thank them for letting them you be there when they passed away, you know. Mm. And you know what's interesting, I have to tell everybody, is that my sister was born because I, I had to clean all, her whole house out and I found her birth certificate. And her birth certificate, um, she was born May 17th at 10.57 a.m. She died 10.57 a.m. What? Mm, yeah, it was just... Because I looked up at the clock when she took her last breath and it was just before 11 a.m. And it didn't really, I didn't think really too much about it and I probably would never have remembered the time, but I did look up and then um, and then when I found her birth certificate, I went, oh, my gosh, she died at 10.50. She'd born at 10.57 a.m. and that was probably the time she died, just before 11 a.m., 10.57. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Incredible. It is amazing. Do you yeah. think, Cindy, then... I mean, your story is such a beautiful uh, metaphor for all of us. Do you think that struggle, trauma, tragedy, upset, um, deaths, all of these things that happen in life, how would you say that to someone listening to this right now if they were in the midst of something that's going on that's really hard for them and they're struggling and they're trying to make sense of it and life feels so unfair? How how would you
1: say from your experience now how to ride that? Stay in the present day by day, checking with yourself that, how are you feeling right now? Not in the present or the past, just how are you feeling right now? So I remember Karen Smith always saying, pretend there's a concrete wall to the left of you and a concrete wall to the right of you and a concrete wall to, to the front and the back and how are you feeling right now? And you go, yeah, I'm okay right now. I, I, yeah, I'm good. And so you just take it step by step. So that would be one. Number two, write, write your, what you're grateful for. Even if you can't find it, write the sun came up. I spoke to Kim. You know, it, it doesn't matter what you put in, just write something that you are, are grateful for. Because sometimes I can sit in front of my gratitude journal and I can't write anything. So I just got to go, okay, the sun came up. All right, good. That's a good thing. All right, I'll write that down, you know. <laughs> or or I got to work without, you know, I don't know, you just write anything. If you can't find anything, find it. Don't wallow in those mentations of sadness and um, yeah, and I, I just think I, I actually found this when I was going through my grief with my mum and my sister because people would just go, Oh my god, I don't know how you're doing it. And I realized that looking and watching somebody going through this is harder than you going through it yourself. I, I don't know why I, that just came to me when I was going through it. I'm thinking, I'm looking at people with tears in their eyes and, you know, really, I can feel them feeling for me, but I'm thinking, I'm okay, guys. I, I can do this. I can handle this. So I, I think you know what you're feeling, but other people have such empathy for you that um, I think they they don't, they don't understand what you're going through, number one, because everybody is unique, um, but my, I think the person going through it seems to be co- seems to cope better than the person who has unbelievable empathy.
2: It's mm. yeah. amazing, isn't it? You know, struggle has been around for generations. Do you think it serves a purpose?
1: I, well, the short answer of that would be yes, <laughs> <laughs> even though I'd like to say no. <laughs> um, but, yes, it does. And... <laughs> I like I've heard somebody say, oh, they had an easy life. Therefore they're just kind of cruising as a soul. And those that have the tough lives are are really working through their stuff. So I kind of go, sometimes it's nice to just cruise and, and not have to work through stuff and enjoy the ride. But then when a struggle does come, then rise to that challenge and, and find a way through it. Like you can go kicking and screaming, um, which is always good and I can do that. (laughs) Um, But if you rise to the challenge, it's like what what the world is going through now. Mm -hmm. There are some people going through kicking and screaming. It's not fair, why is this happening? You know, they become victims, absolute victims. But instead of being a victim, become responsible. Responsible what's happening on the planet. What were your meditations? What are we thinking? You know, you can blame whoever you want, but in the end it's your responsibility to be the best person that you can, um, have the best health you can, improve your immunity, help other people who can't do that. Get out of the victim mentality. And I think a struggle is about are you going to remain a victim or are you going to take responsibility for your life and how you're going to do it? So we're all on the planet going through the same thing. We are. Everybody has financial um, hardship, or almost everybody, maybe not everybody, somebody might be making money, but everybody's going through financial hardship. Their lifestyle has been absolutely changed completely. They may have lost loved ones. Um, I just heard my cousin's husband just lost his mother in Chicago. It didn't say it was was COVID-19. I don't know what it was, but, you know, like we're all we're all in this together and so you can either uh, be play the victim or you can take responsibility and act responsible and do the right thing so if you're in lockdown at it, it, you know even if you have been in lockdown because the world's all in different places at once what do you choose to do with that lockdown you're going to create a garden and do that vegetable garden you've always wanted to do do that program or that online course that you've always wanted to do are you going to watch netflix or are you going to watch gaia are you going to um, watch the news or are you going to listen to something inspirational that can help you through this so in the end it's your responsibility how you deal with this Uh, it's about Waking up, I guess, in times of struggle. And I would say that this is probably one of the biggest struggles humanity has had um, in this era because, you know, we've always had other plagues and other things that have happened. But in this modern era, like I've never been through anything like this. I didn't go through the wars. I didn't go through even the Vietnam War. I had nothing really to do with that. Um, There's been no famine in, in my um, knowledge, in, you know, in my little world. So we've always had anything. We could travel anywhere. We could go anywhere. Even though the security got big after 9-11, we could still travel. Um, but now we're in a stage where all international travel has been banned, I believe. Um, at some point they did that. Um, there's been lockdowns around the world. State borders are closing. You know, all of these things have happened to everyone. I'd actually wonder if that's happening to the Himbas in Namibia sometimes. I wonder if they know what's happening. And you know what? It's really funny. You know how I swim every morning. Mm -hmm. So I ride along the river and I always see the fish in the river. And I look down at the fish and I go, well, your world hasn't changed. (laughs) <laughs> it's so funny. You should say that Danny and I were
2: out walking this morning and these fish were jumping in front of us. And I said, you know, when fish jump in front of you, it's good luck. And he goes, who made that up? And I went, I did just then. And, and it, there's lots of them. And I said, and he looked down at them and he goes, well, they've got no
1: idea what's going on in the yeah. world right now. Do they? I do. I, I look across at the ocean every morning and I go, you guys have no idea. But on top there's this tiny little thing that's created an absolute pandemic of terror and fear because that's what it is. It's a pandemic of terror and fear. And in in the end, that's what it is. And most of us are healthy enough to deal with it. And it is a, there is a, a, obviously other issues that are happening and people are dying. But I think it's more... F- fear that the pandemic is on rather than the virus itself,
2: you know. And that's a lot of things are driven by the fear of the unknown as opposed to the reality of what you're in right now or what we can do right now. And I absolutely love what you say about responsibility, knowing then that fear and struggle and challenge is always going to be upon us. And we both had the same business coach that sometimes would say you get little nudges and other times you can feel like you've been hit by a mat truck, depending on the severity and level of that challenge, fear or worry. What's the opposite to that then? How do we create, I guess, in a way, a sense of calm and peace? What do you do to create, for want of a better word, restorative calm? How do you create
1: that in your life? Ooh, you said something and I, I actually just looked it up and I think it's a good, like a good way to calm people down and it's mm-hmm. by Professor Chris um, Exley who's become very prominent in um, the health field at the moment, He's, he says, we do not fear the unknown. We fear what we think we know about the unknown. And I think that that statement alone kind of makes you think and calms you down. For me, like I have been waking up forgetting everything as I go to sleep and, of course, dreaming wonderful dreams and then waking up and going, oh, that's right. <laughs> you know, I have been doing that. And, and my heart will race just a little bit. But for me, it's I'm, I'm doing the do. I'm not stopping. I'm out there making videos, um, helping other people, doing doing stuff to say hey we can get through this this is okay um these are the steps that we need to do you you know you and i and karen we did a um and we went came back to up for a chat after you know finishing up a chat and came back because we we you know we we don't get paid for this we don't get paid for any of this and we just decide that our community said well we need you at this point what have you got to say about this I think it's about not being selfish Mm -hmm. and about seeing what you can contribute to help other people. Like I could deep breathe and and that helps. I can go for a swim and that helps. But I think the most important thing that's helping me is that I'm writing, I'm I'm helping, I'm talking, I'm um, doing more than I've probably done in a long time because I was kind of resting on my laurels. I felt like my community knew what to do, and it's funny. I we sold out of all of our our product, all of our um, peak performance um, um broths, turmeric, ginger, all of it. You know, just went flying out the door, and um, and and I I was so proud that my community knows what to do. Mm-hmm. They know to get good food into them, take food supplements, stay strong, stay healthy. It's not just about sanitation of the hands. It's about, and, th- and this to me um, shows you that they're listening and they understand vitalism and the innate intelligence of the human body, give it the right resources, it will be healthy and it will fight disease. We've been fighting viruses, bacteria, parasites, fungi, moulds, our entire history and our body knows what to do but you've got to give it the right resources you can't do it on pasta chicken nuggets and what else was dis- had disappeared kim from the grocery stores
2: you know oh, yeah, chips and lollies chips.
1: lollies uh, oh gosh <laughs> and toilet paper <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know, I, know. So I, I felt a real sense of pride and that pride then gave me um you know more i guess more energy to go okay these guys are listening, time to talk. You've been doing this for 40 years. And I think that that's what has given me calm in this situation. And it's almost, I believe, gives me calm in other situations. So, for instance, this weekend I went for a walk uh, by myself. It was 8K. There wasn't a soul around, no one. It was long grass, snake infested probably. (laughs) I have no idea. And I started to get into a rapid heartbeat and so then what I started to do was keep moving but started recognizing and noticing uh things so I would take my mind off the the snakes or whatever and I started to go Oh my gosh, that is a cobbler's peg. A cobbler's peg has anti-inflammatory properties. If I pick that, I can put it into a tea. You know, so my mind starts to go into what can else can I notice, and then all of a sudden, I found myself completely calmed down, and I realised that I was I had no other fear. And I remember as a, a young girl, I was uh, twenty-one. And I went on a two-month outward bound um, course and it was uh, rock climbing, there was solo, there were all of these things that we were taught. And I remember being on a rock climb and I um, was on the face of a rock and I was on belay, so there was somebody holding me, you know, um, by a rope. So number one, I had to trust that person. But number two, I went into... Uh, freeze! I froze on the rock face, and so the instructor came down and he said, "You're going to spend the rest of your life here, Cindy." <laughs> and I went, "No, but I don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do." You know. So he said, "Well, you've got to move." And I think that that's where just continue to move because as long as you're moving, you will get somewhere. Mm-hmm. But the minute you freeze and do nothing and change nothing, then nothing's going to change, mm-hmm. and I think that that was a really incredible you know, message that I learned from him. And, yes, I did get to the top and I was okay. And the second time I felt incredible fear was when I was on solo. So it was three days and three nights with a sleeping bag in the middle of um, I think we were in Arizona. I was in Arizona in a desert. Um, in a, It wasn't Monumental Valley. It was Zion National Park. So I was alone for three days uh, and and three nights. And my days were fine. You know, there's rattlers, there's um, rattlesnakes, there's coyote at night. You know, there's all sorts of sounds. And I, I remember laying in bed one night looking at the stars and a fear growing and building in me. And I realised that if that fear continued, I would be, and not in a good state. So I learned how to stop the fear, realizing that there was no one there to help me if I got into a crazy, you know, panicked fear. And that was another, you know, time that I really learned about, about fear. So number one, you can stop it. You just have to, you know, put your mind to it and realize there's nothing else that you can do, and number two, movement. So I know that was long-winded, but all of these things started to come into my head when you asked me that question, Kimmy. Oh, I love it. And I certainly love the fact that one of the
2: key things I just took from that is a great question, what else can I notice? And I think that question alone, even in a fearful state, what else can I notice, can pull you out of that uh, trauma or fear in that moment. I think that question is something that I'm going to truly embrace, your gorgeous soul. I want to ask you something beautiful. I could give you a whole list on what I think. But what do you love about you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> what do I love about me? Hmm. Um, I like my body. I'm very proud um, that I have have maintained a really physically strong body, healthy body that can take me wherever I want to go. Um, I, I love the way I think for the most part. I, I love the friends I collect. I, I love that. <laughs> um, I love the community in my office. That have been drawn to me I these are things I know that that might not be about myself but it is because I wouldn't attract them if I didn't have the ability to attract them I wouldn't have attracted you as a friend Kim if I did if I didn't have something inside me that was worth attracting do you know what I mean
2: absolutely
1: I wouldn't have had Karen in my life and I don't know if, if people know Karen but Karen Smith's a very integral part of your in my life I don't know I I, I um I love giving. I love teaching. And I love that about myself. I love that. I love to teach. I love that. I love to learn. I love that. I love nutrition. Um, I love that I love nurturing my family, that I love the planet. Um, it's it's hard. You know, I'm not really saying what I love about myself. It's only what I love what I love. <laughs> I mean, is that right? Am I answering the question there? <laughs> oh,
2: I could give you a list of things. Your beautiful heart, your nature, your amazing capacity to hold the space for so many of us. There are so many things. Do you do you think there's ever anything you wish you could change about you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Kim and I, and I'm going to tell everybody, <laughs> Kim and I have the same figure. We do have the same figure. And it's funny, I've always thought that I've always never had a waist. And um, and Kim and I talk about this all the time. And I always go, oh, I wish I had a waist. You know, I've got, I've, I, like, I just don't have a waist. <laughs> but I was actually looking at photos recently because I'm culling at the moment. So I'm decluttering at the moment. So I'm culling photos and anything that doesn't mean anything to me, I'm getting rid of. So I'm looking through these photos and I've got this photo of me in a bikini after I'd had three children. And I went, Oh my gosh, you had a waste. <laughs> well even though I never thought I had a waist I actually did have a waist so now I'm thinking maybe I have a waist and I don't realize it um you know (laughs) Isn't
2: that an interesting thing though? Isn't yes. it? Back to perception about what yeah. we think, what we have. It's it's incredible. It, is there anything emotionally or mentally or physically
1: other than physical that you'd like to change or that you wish you were different? And the reason I'm laughing is that Kim Morrison knows me so well that she could pick out <laughs> the one thing. I, like I uh, have this tendency. <laughs> uh, I have this tendency to go into a flap. It is a flap, and it's always about my children. Like, it's yeah. It it would always be about my children. I flap, and I wish I could remain calm when it comes to the health and well being of my children. Um, probably the well being because I know they're healthy. It's the well being, um, uh, health too. Because when mm. my gorgeous Casey was not doing well, I was. I was like a crazy mother, a flapper. Okay, so that's what I'd like to um, change: stop being a
2: flapper. But well, maybe, maybe we just need to pause the podcast and just go back and listen to your advice on what to do to create restorative calm. I'm just suggesting. You just remind me next time I flap. I'll go say, "Go and listen to this podcast." Um, it's actually an amazing lady. <laughs>
1: Oh, your audience is just going to think. <laughs> the thing is, is I can't lie, audience. I know, I, you, listeners. I cannot lie, and the reason I can't lie is that Kim and I have been. Oh, we've we've known each other for sixteen, seventeen, eighteen years, maybe about eighteen years, and we've been in each other's life intricately for that whole time. <laughs> we we do every, we do everything together. We, we each know each other's. Um, goods and bads, and and everything in between, and we love each other unconditionally. That's why I I had to laugh um, when you asked me these questions because I know if I don't say them, you'll bring them up. <laughs> <laughs> the beauty of interviewing
2: people you love and know so well. I love it. I love it. Oh God! <laughs> tell us. Tell us all. Who do you think in the world is beautiful and why?
1: Oh. I love my kids. And for the most part, I love my husband. But you know he can be a trying at times like all husbands. But I do I do look at what he's achieved and what he's done and what he does for me and <laughs> he keeps me out of my flap. <laughs> um I love my friends. But I think who are the heroes in my life, if I can say heroes, mm-hmm. mentors are people like Christopher Exley, Del Bigtree, Robert Kennedy, um, Taylor Winterstein, um, Stephanie Seneff. Oh gosh, I could go on. I've, I've just they're just on the tip right now because I have looked at their Instagram or they've said something to me or they've sent me an email or um, I like I would sooner meet them than any famous singer or actress that is not for the people and for the planet and for sticking their neck out to help people that are in stress, people that are sick, people who don't know any better and need to be educated and outing what is happening on this planet. Mm -hmm. I think... You know, they are the people that I absolutely love. And if I was going to go away from people, I love this planet. Mm -hmm. I remember my sister saying to me just before she died, and this is like hours before she died, she said, I'm not coming back. (laughs) And I said, really? I said, you're not coming back? She goes, no, I don't like this planet. I'm not coming back. (laughs) And my thoughts when she said that to me, and she didn't say it that fast, but she did say, I'm not coming back was, Oh my gosh, I'm coming back. I love this place. I just find it the most incredible planet. It's beauty. It's love. It's emotion. It's, it's moods. It's, it's everything. I yeah, I'm coming back. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Are there things in life that um, light you up? Like what are the things
1: that truly get you going? What light me up? Hiking. Hmm. Yeah, in the wilderness with a backpack on my back and the way Karen Smith and you do it too. I do like that way as well, <laughs> um, which is with a little bit of, with a little backpack and a hotel at the end um, or, or something. I love I love being out in nature. Um, I love being out of Wi-Fi. Um, that lights me up because then I have to think of other things to do instead of, I don't know, flicking, which... Yeah, it's not probably a good thing. Mm. Um, I love my farm. I love family night when all my family come for dinner. I love I love dinners. Um, I love good food. Uh, but that's been grown properly. I love regen farming. I don't know. There's just so many things I love. Markets, farmers markets. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> and I, I,
2: love- love <laughs> I love podcasts. I love podcasts. I love a window books. books. <laughs> I know. See, these things, are when you truly love yourself, and what I, why I wanted to share you so much with this audience is when you listen to someone like yourself, when you hear the words, you hear the joy, you hear the smile, you hear the, the fascination. And I think one of the things I love about you and find so beautiful in you is your curiosity and your level of inquiry that you go to so deeply on many levels. And for many years, obviously, it was around nutrition and all the things you could find out. And then you were hit with a Mack truck around your mother and your sister. And then you went on this massive self-inquiry around spirituality and your own journey and being a mom and a parent and a wife and all the things that you've done. The, the buying of the farm and then learning so much about regen and I think your comment before about constantly keep moving you've got to keep moving you've got to move kit that guy with you on the side of the rock face I think that would be something that I have taken from you is to stay in motion stay in action stay on uh, my analogy is stay on the track you know get back out there no matter what's going on for you are there things though that dull your shine are there things that you know really do cause you to pull in and want to retreat from
1: life? Hmm. I get a little bit um, jolted by comments sometimes. Well, I used to be, but I I don't think so much. But if I was to be really, really truthful, when I'm out of harmony with my husband is probably – the most jolted time i can ever be everything else i think i can handle but that's one i i struggle with so the best thing is not to be out of harmony with him mm-hmm. and, and, and i know that but there are sometimes there are issues that you all have you you know couples have to deal with um in the best way that they know how even if it's not the best way but the way they know how so i reckon that's the thing that jolts me the most kimmy mm-hmm. Mm, interesting yeah, I, isn't it yeah every other time I think I can I'm pretty good with most things um, and if you're not you just flap yeah really yeah I just flap <laughs> you know and then and, and that's movement yeah, if I was to be really honest I I think that that's the one thing that puts me into a mentation Mm. um that circles and circles and circles and circles and I can't get it out of my head everything else I can stop that mentation but for some reason it takes me a little bit it takes a Kim Morrison consult (laughs) oh we've we've had some good (laughs) ones. we have (laughs) we have (laughs) and then
2: and then I want the listeners to know these times where we've actually recorded ourselves in hysterical (laughs) (laughs) And then we play it to other people and we find it hilarious and no one else finds no it. No one else does. Yeah. My daughter. Remember we sent it to my daughter and she I just know. goes, Oh, really? You too? Really? And my, my daughter thought we were either drunk or on something. So. <laughs> and we
1: weren't. We yeah. just we just started this giggling thing and we couldn't stop. And I thought, right, that's it. I'm recording this. <laughs> oh, it was, gold. It was swear, gold. Maybe you could put that at the end of this. Yeah. Just a little g- You should oh put this God. at the end of this. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I should actually.
2: I should. Yeah, you should. You left us I this.
1: still have it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Tell me. I know we've got a country. <laughs> you know I could talk to you forever yeah. yeah. about self-love and the power that we can have in our lives by spending time and not always money, but certainly time and energy into ourselves. Can you tell us what are your self-love rituals? What are the things that make you feel more beautiful and more in love with you?
1: So is this an obsession or a ritual? (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's let's define it. Let's hear Hmm. what it is. (laughs) Well, I think it's an obsession because I realize being in lockdown, no coffee shops open, that um, <laughs> it's an obsession because I'm going into withdrawal. <laughs> so this is what I love to do. I think that's so an maybe- addiction. <laughs> an addiction. Maybe that's an addiction. So it's not the coffee. I can get the coffee. It's the experience. Mm-hmm. So I get up in the morning. I'm up early. I'm in bed early. I'm up early. I love watching the sunrise. I get my togs on. Um, I get on my bike. I ride to my local coffee shop. It's always quiet because it's 5.30 in the morning. I'm the first there. I'm the middle there as he he's as opening, I'm there. I order a coffee. I grab the paper. Now, I don't read the paper. I do the crossword. <laughs> so I have my coffee beside me. I do the crossword. Then around 6 o'clock, all my friends come. They know I need 30 minutes to do the crossword. <laughs> Then my friends come and I have a giggle and a laugh and a lot of fun. And then at six thirty, we're at the beach and we're in the water. We swim one kilometer towards the other end of the beach, and then we get out and we chat. And everyone says, "Sydney, you're going to swim back?" And I said, "Come on, guys, let's face it. I'm here for the social life, not for the exercise." <laughs> so in the beautiful sunshine with bare feet and my togs on, I walk back along the beach for about one point two k. I then go home, make myself the most incredible breakfast, my lunch. And I always create a tea. So my teas are always with a base of a little bit of licorice. So that's not that black stuff. That's the licorice root, the real licorice root. And then I, add, I go out into my garden and I pick like rosemary and kaffir lime leaves and I could oregano or marjoram, whatever I've got in my garden. And then I throw it in my teapot, which is huge. I add boiling water to it. I let that steep um and that and that's that's i don't know that's it you know and then i leave the house and go to work and um my nights my nights so work can be changeable depending on whether i'm flying somewhere speaking somewhere doing a podcast um having meetings it's it can be very changeable but then at home at night um and not doing family night but a night when it's just howard and i we will have dinner um and clean up, and then he will sit down and read a book or turn the television on. He'll do either one. I've given up television, so when he turns the television on, I put my earplugs in and um, I listen to a podcast or an audio and I like to do another puzzle. But it's not a crossword puzzle, but it's a puzzle that I can do while listening to an information audio <laughs> that's a really at that, night that's my down thing. It's like I put my ear p- plugs in, I do my puzzle, I listen to something inspiring. And then I fall asleep doing the puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> I have been known to do that many times.
2: <laughs> I'm a little bit disappointed that you've missed one of your rituals that I know you do every day <laughs> and your body boost thing. And your- oh,
1: I, well, that's, I forgot about my bath. That's right. So, all right. So I've made all my breakfast. I've made my tea. So while it's brewing and because I take my breakfast to work, but while my tea is brewing, I then go and I have a shower. Um, when I get out of that shower, I, I look at my blends or my singles oils and I put, I use a coconut oil or my inky entry oil. I put it in my hands and I put my um, drops into it and depending on how I'm feeling and what I want, I always do a bit of a smell around. And sometimes I just unknowingly pick one. Um, and so I, I then do, and I, I, I have to admit, I can't believe I forgot this ritual to tell you. So I do my whole body. I then add more oil because I'm a lush. um, I go, oh, it's not enough. So I put some more oil on my hand and just, and I don't know if I'm allowed to do this, Kimmy, but I do it. And I just put more up on the tops of my arms. Um, I moisturise my face with your beautiful moisturiser. I don't do the oils on my face I only do what you put because I could do some really nasty things but <laughs> Kim's seeing what I do to myself <laughs> she's given me the ritual of what I should do but yeah I, I use your moisturizer I then look at my wardrobe and I think what do I feel like today do I feel like a fun day or a more serious day you know and and that is actually a a huge ritual um and i did miss that i do apologize
2: oh, i just night, knew it was
1: such an important part of your day but it, the night is also so before i go to bed um and before i actually sit down and do my cross my um puzzle with my audio i actually go and put my pajamas on but before i do i have a if it's summer, I'll have a quick shower. If it's not summer and I haven't sweat like a pig, yes. I um, wash my face and then um, put my oil, put my moisturiser on. And then, um, and I actually use the Ester Plus at night yeah. and then I put Instant Calm on. So my two favourites are energy and vitality and Instant Calm. So if I'm travelling, I will always have those two with me. So one will pick me up and one will calm me down. So, yeah, I do it at morning and I So, have I missed anything else that I've told you that I do that I can't remember that I do it?
2: <laughs> I know that you will supplement with your beautiful um, mm. greens and colloidals and camu camu if there's times of illness. I also know that you love music and I know that you love meditation and spending time doing manifestation rituals. And I know that you um, mm. really do enjoy um, the quiet reflection time. There's times when we've just sat there in silence together and for want of a better word, it's... It's, it's a beautiful reflective time and I know you love sitting on your wharf and I know you love uh, earthing and putting your bare feet onto the ground. So there's so many beautiful things that I have learned from you and I honor you for and I'm in awe of Cindy I mean so many people in the wellness industry talk about you and wishing that they could live life the way you do and love yourself the way you do I don't think I actually know anybody that loves themselves the way you do and I say that with hand on heart I have never met somebody who allows the BS of life to reflect off them and and you know it's not often you go into a flap and it's not often you lose your yourself or lose your cool and you are someone who's very quick and easy either to be coached or nurtured through a situation and you're very quick and desire the absolute um, best for yourself and your family and those that you love I just I feel you're the reason so badly why I wanted to create this podcast was the inspiration I've had from you and how I desperately wanted to continue the conversation with such extraordinary people around the power of self-love and what it can give to our communities. More importantly, what it can give to our family, which, which ripples into the community. And you and I both know that it starts in the home. It starts with self. And the more we can help ourselves and the more we can help be the best version of ourselves in health, wellness, spirituality, emotions, and manage and learn these things and constantly be a, you know, be conscious that we are a work in progress, that we are constantly looking and searching for new and bigger and better ways, but also accepting the times when we aren't so great or we flap or we swear yeah. or we say aren't uh, the best. But I would love to share one of the things that you and I do for each other in those times. And I'm very grateful to have a friend that I can ring and just so our listeners know that, um, if either of us are in a flap or in one of those moments, we it's so beautiful to have a friend so close to you that you can text and go, I'm having a level one soul moment, <laughs> need help. And that's our little code to each other that we've both fallen into a flap and we're not feeling great and we desperately need coaching, support. So not going into a gossip frenzy, but having support from someone who will listen to us and coach us, sometimes pull us up on what we've done wrong or could do better and someone who's willing to call it for the truth and not, you know, um, sugarcoat it. So I just want to acknowledge you and just say that you are the epitome of love, in my my opinion. I'm so grateful that I, we both believe that your sister brought me to you and... I feel very privileged to be in the wellness industry alongside yourself and all the people I'm getting to interview on the show. It's just, it's humbling. And I'd just love to finish, sweetheart, by asking you, um, I'd love you to finish this sentence. I feel love any time I. I
1: feel loved any time I have dinner with my family there you go yeah and i talked to kim morrison (laughs) i'm sorry i had two i couldn't help myself i had two and that's not i had t-o that was i had (laughs) t-w-o i love you i love Love you my dear friend if there is anything you
2: would love to finish for sharing with this beautiful audience what would your final message be
1: I, I'm hoping that there's a collective consciousness that is changing due to what's happening on the planet at the moment, not only the vibration of the planet because she's having a rest and her vibration is increasing, but I'm, I'm also hoping hoping that the vibration of the human consciousness um, will start to awaken as to what is important in life. And, and I think that that's... I think that that's where we have to go because if we're not looking at what is important, then we're going to miss the whole amazing ride that is possible for us to have on this planet. (laughs) Oh, touche, my beautiful friend. Mm. What a treat.
2: Thank you so, so much for joining me and allowing me to interview you and take Mm -hmm. you to places you didn't even know were coming. No, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, my God. I'm going, oh, no. (laughs) Cindy, I love you. Thank you, sweetheart.
1: Thank you, Kimmy. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast.
2: Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family and head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good
1: care.